This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and it is Thanksgiving week, so myself and Nora are remote right now. Nora, it is great to see you. Happy Friday. It is so lovely to see you too, Tate. I'm remote all the time. I never leave my house. That's true. So, you know. Well, I always feel like we're in the studio together because we have such a rapport. I always get to look at your beautiful background and and we make magic happen every single week. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I do need to tell you. (laughs) Oh, update. It's at the framers. It's Mm. at the framers. It's being framed. I believe our, our ETA was like December 7th or something. So we are mere weeks away from me having like an actually decorated wall. I I swear to you that the ball is rolling. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, all the superstitious things we can do. It is week 12 in the NFL season, Nora. So as we creep closer and closer to, you know, week 18, uh, we might not even have this, you know, set up to even talk about the NFL. So let's hope that we can get this done in the next couple of weeks. And like I said, it is week 12. So let's talk about week 12. We got some big games on Sunday. And I want to start with uh, the NFC South, which is a very confounding conference or division within their conference, as people know. Um, the Falcons are minus one and a half in this game. Arthur Smith comes out. He says that Desmond Ritter is going to be the starter going forward. He is the quarterback. He is QB one for the Atlanta Falcons. First, let's start there. How do we feel about Desmond Ritter being the guy in Atlanta? And is that just sort of a a de facto lame duck situation going on right there? I mean, is it a little bit of a lame duck situation? Probably. I feel okay about Desmond Ritter. I still think that his troubles primarily have to do with turnovers that, you know, Mm -hmm. you just like knock on all the wood, cross your fingers. (laughs) Everything I know about football and math tells me that he cannot possibly continue to fumble the ball, to turn the ball over in the red zone on the one yard line. Like every week, Desmond Ritter would have just the most costly turnover possible. So, so, uh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it, but I I think it should be okay. I mean, the Falcons have, they have no choice but to figure this out and go win this division. Like, it's Mm. embarrassing if they don't. They even have a a half-decent defense for the first time in what feels like forever. So I'm just going to, like, close my eyes and hold my nose and say, yeah, I get it. Go back to Ritter. See what happens. Hopefully it's better than earlier in, in the year, and it sort of should be. 
Yeah, and you kind of alluded to it. No one in the NFC South has a winning record right now. Um, so everyone is trying to figure out which team in the NFC South, NFC South is inevitably going to be in the playoffs. And, you know, everyone's got their favorite pick, you know, anyone but the Panthers at this point. But do you think the Falcons are the favorite or do you have the most faith in the Atlanta Falcons to make the playoffs? Oh, my gosh. When you when you put it like that. <laughs> You say the phrase faith in the Falcons. I, like, how am I going to say yes to that? I do yeah, think right. that they are the team with the most good parts of the team. <laughs> the Saints mm. defense is is definitely nothing to sneeze at. But again, I really do think that Atlanta um, has turned into a pretty good unit defensively. Nothing, you know, nothing great, but they are at least middle of the pack there. And that offense is just so weird, but I do still think that they have the most pieces. So I, I might rue this, but yes, if I had to choose anyone, I would I would take Atlanta. Yeah, and then they're they're doing some superstitious voodoo practices down in New Orleans right now, trying to make sure the Saints have someone come and play in the Superdome in the playoffs. So everyone in the NFC South has hope outside of the Panthers. So everyone, like I said, can kind of saddle up with whatever team they believe in. Let's go to the AFC South. Let's keep it in the South. Um, the Jaguars are minus one and a half going to Houston to take on the Texans. Jags have won six of their last seven games and are leading the division by one game over C.J. Stroud and the Texans. A lot of people are falling in love with the Texans. They like the idea of D'Amico Ryan's being coach of the year. They like the idea of CJ Stroud, you know, as a rookie going to the playoffs. Are you are you high, are you buying into the hype train, or are you are you believing in CJ Stroud right now? Yeah, I'm, I I believe. I I think that. <laughs> look, I, think I just want you to put your hands up and once. say, "I believe." I believe. <laughs> I really do believe. I'm really on the CJ Stroud hype train. Uh, I I think that he is. You know, it's it's not just Stroud, right? Like, they ended up winning a, a close game that could have gone either way against the Cardinals last week. And the thing that was interesting about that is that they found a way to do it on a day when C.J. Stroud threw three picks. And they weren't all, like, horrible interceptions. I think one was tipped. One was a little strange. Um, but that did more than double his total number of picks on the year. Uh because you remember at the beginning of the year, he set the record for longest uh, streak of passes thrown as a rookie at the start of his career without an interception. And he's been very, very clean in the turnover department all year long. So suddenly he has a game where, you know, there's just a little bit of regression there and it's not his best performance, although he still made some, some great plays. And they had enough to find other ways to win. I mean, you know, Tank Dell has... <laughs> Become really a revelation for this team. Got him in the third round. Really excited about him as a young player there in Houston. Uh, Devin Singletary is sort of emerging as as RB1 there. And he's had back-to-back 100-yard games or 100-plus-yard rushing games for the first time in his career. And then obviously the defense is not a perfect unit. Um, Derek Stingley's been back, and, and he got his first pick on Sunday last week. But they're just starting to find all these different parts of the roster that most importantly are young, right? It's not really about this year as exciting as this year has been. I love what Bobby Slowick is doing with that offense. So I I think it's time that we start thinking about the Texans, not just as this sort of like plucky upstart, oh, look at the Texans. What a nice success story. What a good sort of path they're on for the future. That's a really good team. That's a team that can win in a bunch of different ways. And they've already beaten this Jags team. Jaguars coming off their most impressive win of the year. I think. And this game is going to be exciting. 
Um, this is going to be, I think, a big test to see if they can keep it going. And if Jacksonville loses here, Houston could run away with this division. Mm. And then I think you're going to start to have to ask questions about, okay, you know, what's Doug Peterson doing with this offense? Did the press Taylor stuff really dig them into a little bit of a hole? And, and when are we going to see them really achieve something with, with Trevor Lawrence? I'm getting ahead of myself there, but I, I just think that the stakes of this game are really high and it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, there's been a conversation all year about the lack of QB talent and, you know, franchise QBs in general in the NFL. And, you know, fortunately for us in this game, you have two guys that have kind of checked the box as franchise QBs. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, number one pick. CJ Stroud, a lot of people thought that he should be the number one pick as they look back and, and do Captain Hindsight on the situation. But which QB, if you had to pick right now, Nora, do you think is the, the best one to saddle up to and say, this is the person that can take us to the promised land? Is it CJ Stroud at this point or do we still have faith in Trevor Lawrence. No, it's a look. Trevor Lawrence has has years under his belt of being a top tier NFL quarterback. I mean, at, at this point, you know, he's he's easily top 10. The way that they're off. I like your respect for senior, seniority here, Nora, because a lot of people, they like the new flashy toy. They want to well, just I go ahead and say, get Trevor it. out of that's my face. Yeah, that's what's going on, especially with Stroud, because <laughs> there was such a narrative about like, oh, he, you know, Bryce Young gets taken over him. And this is one of the silly things we do, right? Like we make a guy who gets taken with the second overall pick. We turn him into this like maligned draft failure. And oh, he fell so far and nobody wanted to draft CJ Stroud. There's probably like over a dozen teams, if not more, in the NFL that if they'd had the first pick, CJ Stroud would have been drafted first overall. And we would think about this very Mm -hmm. differently. It just so happens that the team, as you well know, date the Carolina Panthers, who who got to make that selection after trading for it. Uh, this is not the direction that they went in. And that that's a conversation for another time, I suppose. But CJ Stroud is the conversation is that he looks like he might be of Trevor Lawrence tier, right? Whereas Trevor Lawrence, he came in, he was, you know, the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Oh my gosh, so exciting. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a revelation. And then the expectations are so high. Whereas Stroud came in this year and it was like, well, that's exciting. They, they maybe have their guy, but the cupboard is really bare. Who are these receivers? I've never heard of Tank Dell. What a weird name. And then all of a sudden, they're a year ahead, two years ahead, and it feels like this whole huge thing. I do think there's a conversation about whether Stroud is currently having a better year than Trevor Lawrence. If Stroud might be, you know, if we talk about an MVP conversation, there's probably a better argument for Stroud right now than there is for Trevor Lawrence, but Trevor Lawrence has been doing this for years. So Mm. I'm not so fickle that, that I would jump ship that far. Yeah, I respect it. And CJ Stroud does have the best celebration in football, the squabble. So I understand why a lot of kids are falling in love with him. He's got a lot going for him. So shout out to CJ Stroud. Let's talk about uh, a matchup this weekend that's going to have a lot of eyeballs. we got the Buffalo Bills going to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. Eagles minus three and a half in this game. Buffalo trying to get back on track, trying to get a big win to, to signify to the rest of us that, hey, we're still here. We're still relevant. We can still make a run. The Eagles, best team in football, nine and one, get a nice win on the road in a Super Bowl rematch. What do we think about this game? And do you believe that the Bills can make something happen? You know, I do. I Because 
Look, let's go. The Bills. I like it. Regardless of of all of their craziness, I'm not saying I think they will. I'm not saying that I would pick them in this game. I would certainly <laughs> pick the Eagles. I think the Eagles are a better team. But can the Bills do something? Of course, they've got Josh Allen. This offense, as troubled as it has been, this offense can roll up and score 40 points any day of the week. And that is always within the realm of possibility, which is one of those things that in some ways makes it it complicated in Buffalo, right? Because they're they're losing games and they're not scoring enough points and, and everybody's upset. Meanwhile, they're like top five. We talked about it last week, I think, in like every statistical category that you can find for their offense. They got a big win last week, needed that offensive performance. When you really dig down into the numbers, it had more to do with just a lack of turnovers um, and field position stuff than it did with the underlying like success rate and blah, 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 all the nerd stats, those actually improving. But I think it was the type of thing that you could have expected from this Bills offense just because it was never as bad as it looked. So can they keep it going? Quite possibly. And, and can this team with a quarterback who's still, to my eye, one of the best in football, if a little bit erratic, and Josh Allen, can they they keep up with the Eagles, who I think are the best team in the NFL? Yeah. If they have the right day, totally. The Eagles, I don't have to say if they have the right day, right? Like this Eagles team, if they're having an off day, if they're having a weird day, they can still find something to do to punish an opponent. They can still move the ball with the run game. They can still win a game defensively, which the Bills at this point, I mean, they're just so injured. They don't really have that in their toolkit to the same way. So Eagles, I think, is the pretty easy pick here, but could the Bills show up and do something crazy? Absolutely. Yeah, this is the moment. This is the moment for Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills to kind of say, hey, we're still here. We're we're, we're not dead yet. And and I think the rest of the NFL would pay attention if that were to happen. So that's going to be a fun game. I do think the Bills had the most on the line this weekend uh, in that regard. Last game I want to highlight are Baltimore Ravens, who we love so dearly. Uh, Mark Andrews goes down. Now we're trying to figure out what Lamar Jackson, this offense, looks like without Andrews. They're going to play the Los Angeles Chargers. They're minus four in this game. Do we think Baltimore can go on the road and handle business? Or is this an opportunity for the Chargers to signify to the rest of the NFL that, hey, we're still here and we can still make a run? Is the Chargers really going on the road? I mean, I know it's a long flight, but come on. There's going to be, <laughs> it's like, gonna be more Ravens gonna fans be so and Chargers fans. Purple. If there's anything that I know, I, I'm going to be at this game, by the way, Nora. So I'll let you know oh. uh, what it looks like. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Hey. I'm excited. Wow. Okay. Got to see well, my I'm, Ravens. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to insult your, your Chargers <laughs> fandom. Um, look, I, I again, the Chargers, to me, have just sort of lost their way. I mean, you saw Brandon Staley after last week getting testy in the press conference, yelling about the defense, that it's not that bad, that he's never going to give up play calling, that that's not what it's about, <laughs> that there are execution issues, but the message is getting across. The No, it's not, my friend. I mean, this team is just so mistake-prone. They are constantly you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. It seems like a week in and week out thing at this point. Uh, the good news for the Chargers is that Justin Herbert, who, you know, we all love Justin Herbert, but Justin Herbert had a few bad games in the middle of the season. Justin Herbert's fine. Justin Herbert's all the way back. Justin Herbert was mm-hmm. slinging it last week. So I, I'm, I, it's good to not be worried about that, but I just don't think that this team 
can stand up to the challenge of facing a team like the Ravens, um, to the Ravens schematically. I just don't know that this defense that's given up almost a thousand yards over the last two weeks combined. I don't think that they can handle this Baltimore offense. And I certainly think that the Baltimore defense is going to be able to give, um, give Herbert some problems, give that offense some problems in general. So not too bullish on the chargers, unfortunately these days. So Nora's taking minus four of the Ravens there, uh, going to Los Angeles. We'll let you know what it looks like in person, Nora. And I'll let you know what I see from between Herbert and Lamar Jackson. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Black Friday NFL football for the first time. Can't wait. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're still here with Nora. And Nora, in case you missed it, we have football today on Black Friday. And before we get to the football aspect of this, I just want to get your policy on Black Friday. There's some people in this world that, you know, they have a TV or, you know, an appliance or something like that. And they say, I'm just going to wait a couple months until Black Friday. Are you one of these people? Because I I did not know about this until I got a little bit older and understand, uh, started to understand the consumerism that is around me. Are you a Black Friday person that, that buys into the hype or are you like please avoid all stores on this day um so i, I mean i love a good sale yeah we love sales. i would yeah. rather <laughs> i would rather tape my eyeballs open and watch the panthers offense mm. um then go into very clockwork like a, orange of you <laughs> a physical big box store on black friday like i want absolutely nothing to do with that i will say something really interesting happened to me uh, last weekend, which is that I was going to buy a pair of shoes and I go to the store and I'm trying them on and I like them. And the woman who's helping me was like, Oh, by the way, I mean, we are like, we're, we're pretty close to selling out. Normally I would tell you wait until the black Friday sale, but I'm a little bit like, I'm not sure that they'll still be here, but if you want, I'll give you my card and you can call back. Like, I don't know what the, you know, is the sale going to be 20% off? Is it going to be 15? Is it going to be 25? Mm. You can call me back and I'll apply the sale. If you make the purchase right now, I was like, wow, this is a real, this is service. Yeah, that's this is a real yeah. loophole. <laughs> so I got, and I, she did like, she, I got a text this morning, um, being like sales up. Let me know. Like we can, We'll, we'll retroactively apply it. So I'm getting 25% off my purchase. 
So they're putting so it back like, on I've your... already gotten yeah. my Black Friday win is, is what I'm telling wow. you. I'm, so you, it's you fine. just have Black to find Friday's a fine. loophole. Yeah, you have to use Black Friday in a different way. You have to find your own lane into it. it it's something that is there for the taking if you know how to take it. So shout out to Nora for finding that loophole. And uh, shout out to Black Friday because it is going to be a fun day of football. And most people will have the day off. So it'll be a nice little holiday at home. And we get, unfortunately for us, the New York Jets on our televisions. But we'll, we'll be okay because on the Tim other side, Boyle. we do get the... Yeah, we get the Miami Dolphins uh, minus nine and a half in this game going up against Tim Boyle, Tim uh, Boyle, who uh, has only thrown one touchdown in his collegiate career playing for UConn, which I think is my favorite fact about him. So let's start there. Can you believe that he is going to be the quarterback for this team? Well, yes, because the the Jets are run by Aaron Rodgers like this. Mm -hmm. This is what we need to understand to make everything that the Jets do make sense. It is because Aaron Rodgers is the owner, operator, general manager, coach, offensive coordinator of that franchise right now. And so Aaron Rodgers is famously great buddies with Tim Doyle. And therefore, Tim Doyle is the Jets' backup uh, behind Zach Wilson. And Tim Doyle is 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 going to start the game. The logic that they are giving for this, I find preposterous. It mostly has to do with um, Boyle having more experience in the system than Trevor Simeon, who they traded for and then have just like left on the practice squad. I would be more willing to buy into that if Tim Doyle had ever been good. But at this point, I'm not sure what experience is really going to get you when the entire experience of Tim Doyle has been Tim Doyle not being able to move the football. Meanwhile, and I can't believe that I'm like, worked up about this you see at least the Browns like they went and called Flacco right like there are things that could have been done we should never forget that Aaron Rodgers got injured four plays into week one the Jets have had so much time and I know you know it feels like the season is is slipping away even though they tried to make something of it and maybe Rodgers can come back but we just like I simply cannot let them off the hook for having lost Rodgers that early and having done absolutely nothing about it. And does it concern you a little bit that he's threatened by Carson Wentz or Joe Flacco or any of these other guys coming into Matt Ryan coming into the building? Because like you said, it's, it feels like very much that Aaron Rodgers does not want to have someone in that quarterback room that actually could threaten his time there with the New York Jets. And the fact that he feels threatened by a Joe Flacco or a Matt Ryan or any of these other guys, Carson Wentz. I feel like that would be a red flag to me if you're Woody Johnson and you're the ownership because you're saying, why would this guy be so concerned that we're bringing in these other washed quarterbacks? That would say to me, maybe he thinks he's also on the same level as them and doesn't want to have a one-to-one comparison. That that would be my thing. That would be my takeaway on that situation. So I guess if I want to be really, really generous <laughs> to the Jets I like in that, that line please. of thinking, there is a fair amount of evidence that Aaron Rodgers can be wildly insecure and petty at the same time as being a good quarterback. So maybe they just, maybe they, you know, feel like they, they They don't want to start something. Right. Right. And they've got to keep the peace. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. Nora is here. And Nora, I have a simple question to ask you. Which head coach has the hottest seat right now in the NFL? There's a lot of people trying to figure out who it is. We got Eber Flus in Chicago. We got Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron in Washington. My guy, Frank Reich in Carolina. We got Brandon Staley in LA, who's very upset and says he will never give up his play calling duties. And we got, of course, the old guard, Bill Belichick up there in New England. Which one, which which seat right now, Nora, do you think is the hottest? So. I'm going to pull up a tweet for you. Okay, it's perfect. It's for Magic Johnson. Oh, shout out to My Magic. My favorite thing <laughs> after every Commander's game. He's my just, AP. Like, I, like, he's the one that gives me the straight news that I need. Yeah, like, there's no BS. Just, to, just, just exactly what happened. But here's the thing <laughs> is that sometimes you have to, you just read them for text. It is that, it's that AP, just, mm. just the facts. But sometimes you read them for subtext. And here's, here's Magic. Here's Magic. After last week. Wow! Exclamation point. My Washington commanders turned the ball over six times today and gave the Giants 24 points off turnovers. We lost 31 to 19. Tell me that is not the tweet of a man who's just absolutely livid with Rod Rivera. Yeah, wow. I mean, I, I like I like the wow exclamation point. You know, you don't wow. know where it's gonna go. Yeah, wow. Really, really. We're gonna turn the ball six times. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's over. Uh, so I think it's I think it's Rivera. Um for a couple of reasons. One, obviously that was tough, right? Like you can't <laughs> you can't be losing to Tommy DeVito. I was almost like I was getting to a point on the NFL show last week where where Steven and I were talking about this. And I was like, I can't believe the Giants did this. This is so stupid. They have to be thinking about draft position. The, the they have a chance to get the number one pick. Like, why are they doing this? And Steven was like, you really going to tell you, are you really going to criticize them for not trying hard enough to tank when they started Tommy DeVito? I was like, you know what? That's a fair point. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes right. things just happen. Um, yeah. Sometimes Tommy DeVito shocks the world. And we all say, yeah. wait, did we just watch that? <laughs> Mom uh, and dad are proud though. Did you see him do the, this, this gesture? Mm, yeah. It was really Applies good. On. Very, Me, very a lot of like guy. Italian moms in Jersey. Very proud. Yeah. Uh, he said his the, roommates were happy, a.k.a. his parents. They they were very <laughs> proud of him. So it's nice. So good. But yeah, so that that's, I mean, that is certainly the type of thing that could get someone fired. Uh, the other thing I think is that the fact that Eric Biennemi, and who knows if he's the guy that the, the Harris group wants to take over immediately right now, but you have a really viable coaching option right there. Whereas, mm. I mean, Brandon Staley, I think is, could get fired at any moment. I think some of the other ones, I mean, right. Like David Tepper is a pretty, he'll make a decision and then just go for it. So that one's not out of the question either, but some of the ones, I mean, for instance, Belichick is not getting fired mid season. Like that's just not happening. Um, 
even Eberflus, like I, I think you liked what you saw from Justin Fields, at least relative to some prior performances last week. I really think the three that are in play for midseason are Rivera, Staley, Reich. And Rivera, to me, feels the most kind of like... Yeah, old ownership hired him. He feels like he's from like the, the the past bygone era of this Washington team. And I wouldn't be shocked if right now while we're taping, we, there's a news alert from Ian Rappaport saying that, you know, Washington and Ron Rivera have parted ways. You know what I mean? That's how close I think we are to that being reality. So I think that's a good one. Uh, one last thing, Nora, before I let you go, let's talk about uh, something for you to debunk. I think this is, uh, we've seen a lot of curses in football, right? We've seen like the Miles Austin, Kim Kardashian curse. We've seen Jessica Simpson, Tony Romo curse, right? There's always been curse when it comes to relationships and the NFL. But I want to throw something out to you that I would say is the opposite, which is a good luck charm. Travis Kelsey, Monday Night Football, playing against the Eagles, has a couple drops that are confounding, has a big fumble in the red zone. He's looking up at the sky saying, please, like, what is going on? And guess who's not in the building, Nora? Taylor Swift, his girlfriend, the person that should be there in his good luck charm. So instead of it being a curse, is there a world in which Taylor Swift is actually so beloved by the Chiefs fans? They need her at every game to be a good luck charm. Is that where we are? How do you do you buy into this hype? This is where I've spent it. I've spun it the whole other way. We need a good luck charm. Uh, it's always better when Taylor Swift is is involved in anything. So I support okay, it. There you go. I think Travis has got to figure <laughs> out how to how to how to do his job for himself. But I love it. I always want to see yeah. Taylor. It's not a curse. I, I feel like a lot of people wanted it to end up being a curse. You know, we saw it with Jessica Simpson. Everybody was like, this is your fault. It's not Tony Romo's fault uh, for dropping, you know, a snap and, and having a whole situation. It's your fault, Jessica Simpson. But now we all know that Taylor Swift could get there, be the good luck charm, help Travis Kelsey figure this whole thing out. And uh, who knows? They could pave a path to the Super Bowl and, and America's all celebrating. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is shaking his fist at the sky. You know what I mean? This is a this is a great moment. Uh, you know, in NFL history here, that's right on the verge. Uh, Nora, thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can we find all your amazing work? The ringer.com, the ringer NFL show, every single album. It's all great stuff. I love it so much. Nora, thank you so much for being on the show. Hope you have a happy holiday with everybody. Hope you've been able to chill out a little bit. And uh, we got Shield Kapadia coming up right after the break. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Through the Ringer and joining us now. You saw him on the last episode. We're having a great time because we're talking football. We're talking NBA. We're having uh, just just a fun time here on Through the Ringer. You know him very well. Shil Kapadia, great to see you, man. Welcome back. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to get right into it. You know what I mean? Because we got a lot of hot topics to fly through. Let's talk with the Buffalo Bills right now because uh, they do fire Ken Dorsey. That was a big talking point. Um, You were tweeting about their offensive efficiency and how they're still a really good offense despite the lack of Ken Dorsey in the building. Who would have thought? They do have a pretty good quarterback there with Josh Allen. But let's just start there. What's wrong with the Bills? And if it's not offense, where do we point the finger and how do we figure out how to get this team back on on the right track? Yeah, I I think they've, they sort of have had a lot of bad luck this year and they haven't played well and they've turned the football over. I mean, and they've had defensive injuries. If I had to say it, you know, in one or two sentences, I think that would be it. But uh, the thing about them is like, they haven't, no team's beaten them by more than six points. And so when you look at firing Ken Dorsey, a lot of the nerd stats that I like to look at, were like, well, I don't know. The offense isn't that bad. It was really, they had, I think 13 turnovers in that six game stretch where they went two and four. Now it's like, is the offensive coordinator responsible for a football going through Gabe Davis's hands and landing in the hands of a defensive player? Probably not, but uh, I understand, you know, you're feeling pressure. You make some changes there. So uh, I actually think their offense is going to be okay. Defensively is where I think if we're looking at the rest of the season, they've just had so many injuries. I don't know if they're going to be able uh, to overcome those, but yeah, Josh Allen played well uh, last week in their win against the Jets. And I would expect him to continue to play well. Yeah, and you described it perfectly. You just said they're a weird, weird team. And uh, they're so weird that they have an adverb to describe them. Billsy, right? Everyone's like, that's a very Billsy loss, right? That They have created their own vernacular because they are so ridiculous to watch. But they have a 104 plus 104 point differential on the season. That's fourth in the NFL and second in the AFC. So based on the numbers, they should be winning football games. But uh, it is not happening at the clip that you would expect. They sit at six and five. At least they're not 500 like they were going into that Jets game. But there are some real issues in Buffalo. We're all trying to figure it out. All right. So we talked about the Buffalo Bills, AFC East. That is, uh, you know, that, that could be a much longer conversation. Show. We could talk about that for days. Let's talk about the best division in football by most accounts. And that's the AFC North. And if we look at that race right now, the Ravens are minus 220 to win the North. Uh, Mark Andrews has been like a safety net for Lamar Jackson in this passing offense. What are your thoughts on the Ravens? Are they a surefire thing to win this division? Or are we keeping our eye on the, on the Browns as they kind of lurk? And right now they sit at plus 280 to win the division. I still feel pretty good about Baltimore. You know, the Mark Andrews injury, we'll see if he can come back in the playoffs or something. I know John Harbaugh said there's a chance of that. But if you look at the rest of the supporting cast, it's still better than what Lamar Jackson has typically had. Odell Beckham Jr., he's really coming on. He's, he's had a couple sl- slants and yards after the cash that it's like, oh, that looks like the guy we're used to seeing. They still have Zay Flowers. They still have a better uh, offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin than they had previously. So they can win in so many different ways. It can be Lamar from the pocket. It can be Lamar improvising. It can be uh, the defense, which is a top five defense in the NFL. It can be the kicking game we know is going to be good with Justin Tucker. So uh, yeah, it's definitely a blow, no doubt about it. I mean, Mark Andrews, like, like you said, has been sort of uh, his security blanket for years for Lamar Jackson, but I still think they have enough and, and I like them quite a bit to win the division. Yeah, I do think it feels like it's a foregone conclusion. They should win the division, but at times with the Ravens, when it feels like, I mean, they they own the first quarter, every single game, it feels like the Ravens get it up big. And then all of a sudden they let teams back in. So as long as they they can just finish the deal, um, I think they'll be okay. And OBJ, like you said, sometimes you have to pinch yourself and be like, that's right. That's Odell Beckham Jr. out there. He's kind of so understated playing for the Ravens is a little bit different than we've seen in the past, but I do think they'll be able to sustain, uh, you know, the Mark Andrews injury, but looking at the Browns, 
Browns, you mentioned defense. I mean, this is one of the best defenses in the NFL, especially with Miles Garrett playing at the level that he is right now. Can they win football games and can they be a threat without a real quarterback, a true QB one, even though DTR stepping into that role? You know, they've built themselves such a cushion. Like I was looking at it earlier today and I'm going, you know what? I think people have got are kind of uh, going overboard with this Browns team. Like they're not going to have a good offense. You know, can they really make some noise? But they're seven and three. Like they go, you know, three and four the rest of the way. They're 10 and seven. They're making the playoffs. So uh, it's not only the best defense in the NFL this year. Like if you look at some of the stats, it's one of the best defenses we've seen like in the last decade in the NFL, the way they're playing right now. So I think it might be a little bit of a roller coaster. I think that offense, Kevin Stefanski is just like, all right, what's every play I've ever thought of in my life? I'm going to just throw the kitchen sink out there, uh, try to get some points here with Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think he'll continue to do that, but we know they're going to lean on their defense. So yeah, I think their defense is good enough to keep them in some games. It might not always look pretty. I don't think they're going to win like 12 games or win the division, but to get to the playoffs, uh, I think they've probably built themselves enough of a cushion to do that. Yeah, it's a pretty good time to be a UCLA football fan. You know, you beat USC out here in L.A. this past weekend. You got your old quarterback now starting for a playoff team in Cleveland. So, uh, you know, UCLA football, congratulations to them. Let's now go to the AFC South, and let's talk about uh, what is most most presumed to be the rookie of the year in C.J. Stroud. Let's just start there. How impressive has Stroud been just from the outside looking in down in Houston? I was thinking about this earlier today. I I think it's the most impressive rookie season I can remember. Now, statistically, there are other RG3 was incredible back in the day. Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, like there absolutely have been others that are in the conversation. But going into the season, the reason I thought the Texans were going to be a bad football team, I looked at CJ Stroud's supporting cast. And I just go, give me a break. There, like, there's no way. It's not one of those situations where a rookie comes in and he's surrounded by good pieces and he just has to do his job. Like, it was, you know, Nico Collins and Tank Dell. These guys were not household names coming into the season. And now they kind of are. And I think that speaks to the quarterback being able to elevate the players uh, around him. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't be any more impressed with Stroud. Uh, I think he's probably already, I would say, top six, top eight quarterback in the NFL, like just this season, no, no projection. And that, that's just so hard to do uh, for a rookie. So yeah, it, it's been uh, definitely impressive. And I think he had his first like kind of rookie moment. He threw a bad pick where he kind of just looked and stared down a linebacker that was, you know, dropping back in coverage and threw it right to him, uh, you know, in the red zone this past weekend. Um, but other than that, I mean, CJ Stroud, like you said, he's looked the part. He looked the part going into the draft. There was a lot of conversation. Should he actually be the number one pick? A lot of people that thought that are patting themselves on the back. So CJ Stroud has been a winner so far in Houston. And now we have. Uh, the question, do they make the playoffs? Yes, is min- minus 178. No, plus 144. Do you think we're going to see the Houston Texans in the playoffs? I've got them as a yes. Like when I go through all the teams, I'm just like, who? if you just boil it down, I'm like, who has the best passing offense? Because honestly, like a lot of times that's a, that, that will be what differentiates one team from the other. And they've got like a top five passing offense right now. Typically, if you do that and you throw everything else out the window, you're probably going to be in the playoffs. I also think they have like a bottom 10 schedule uh, the rest of the way. Remember, they, they had a last place schedule, I think, coming into the season. And so not that those games are going to be gimmies, but man, the way he's playing right now, Like, I don't think there are a lot of defenses that are going to consistently uh, slow down that offense, which, again, is wild to say. I didn't think I'd be saying that coming into the season. But, yeah, I've got them as a yes, uh, either winning the AFC South or at least getting one of those wild card spots. 
And if they get one of those wild card spots, then we have a conversation about coach of the year, obviously talking about D'Amico Ryans. And if you look at those odds right now, I mentioned Dan Campbell um, the last time that we talked about coach of the year, but at plus 350, you could get D'Amico Ryans to win coach of the year. And, you know, we love when a new face makes a nice run with a rookie quarterback and he gets to the playoffs and he exceeds expectations. Does D'Amico Ryans kind of check the box of being coach of the year, even though it seems like being coach of the year is not the best thing these days, but he'll probably take it. He'll, he'll, He'll get the hardware and put it on his mantle. Coach of the year, executive of the year means you're probably being fired within the next uh, two years. So yeah, you're right. D'Amico Wrights might not want that. Uh, I think he's right in the mix. You know, Dan, Dan Campbell, like you mentioned, we talked about him uh, on the previous episode, and I think he's got to be in the mix. Kevin O'Connell, I would say when you look at, you lose Kirk Cousins, you've lost Justin Jefferson, you got Joshua Dobbs coming in, and you're like writing plays on a napkin, and you're still winning games. I, I've been really impressed with what Kevin O'Connell has done. And then I think D'Amico Ryans has to be the other guy. I mean, they've got a lot of veterans who basically any team in the NFL could have had, like running back Devin Singletary, you know, like uh, defensive tackle Sheldon Rankins. Again, these are not like names you're like, ooh, you get those players, you're going to be great. And so when you see veterans who are outperforming sort of the, the back of the baseball card, as the saying goes, that to me speaks to coaching and getting a version of those players um, that maybe we haven't seen in the NFL before. And so, yeah, to me, who knew? The, the, the Texans were like a laughing stock for how many years I was throwing Jack Easterby jokes and into all of my columns. Uh, and now it's like D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stroud. Like, I don't know how many coach quarterback combinations uh, are better than them for like the next five years. Not many. And shout out to Lovey Smith. If he didn't win that game late in the season last year, when he was kind of this lame duck coach, they don't end up with, you know, back backdooring themselves into CJ Stroud. So a lot of people were upset with Lovey Smith, but turns out he actually knew what was going to happen. Uh, so, so congratulations to all the Houston Texans fans. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Shield, we're going to talk about the Philadelphia 76ers. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're still here with Sheil, and we're going to talk about the NBA and more specifically something that you know very well, Sheil, the Philadelphia 76ers, who are fun. The Sixers are fun again. Let's start there. Last year and the years prior, it felt like a cloud, whether it be Ben Simmons, James Harden, all these conversations. But now this team just feels free. How, how much fun is it watching this team under Nick Nurse? Tate, this is probably like a Philadelphia thing, but I came into the season, I was like, oh, it's going to be so much fun to hate watch this team. I'm just, This is going to be one of the most hateable teams of my lifetime. I can't wait to just be on text threads where everyone's saying, you know, fire this guy, fire this guy, this guy. That was my mentality coming into the season. And now all of a sudden, we have like one of the most Sixers, fun Sixers teams we've had in a long time. So let me know if you agree with this. My, my theory on like sports fandom and specifically for the NBA is like, I don't care that much if the Sixers win a championship. I, if it's like a Tuesday in January and, you know, they've got a game coming up against, let's say, you know, the Orlando Magic, it's like, I want to sit on, do I want to sit on my couch and spend two and a half hours with this team? Like, that's how I judge basketball teams in my life. And this team is passing the test. So I don't know if they're going to win, win a championship or I don't even want to talk about that. I feel like, you know, I start, you know, having weird feelings when I even go down that route. But in terms of do I want to watch them on a random cold winter night in the Philadelphia suburbs uh, when I've got nothing else going on? The answer is yes. And my gosh, that's a huge step up from previous years. 
Absolutely. It just felt like it was exhausting at times watching this team, you know, over the past four or five years. And, you know, you almost felt bad for Embiid at times and other times you wouldn't feel bad because he could be exhausting himself. And now just with Maxi, now when I think of the Sixers, I just think of like Tyrese Maxi smiling, having the best time of his life. And uh, if you look at the odds right now, Maxi is plus 100 to win most improved. Um, how do we feel about that? Because I, I don't think Maxi has really improved. I think he's always been this good. He just has more of uh, free reign now that James Harden is out of the way. But would you be excited if Maxi ends up winning most improved player? Yeah, he, he. I'm with you. It's like he's gotten more opportunities. Like the this player existed last year, but was sort of the th- the third option. I mean, uh, behind Joel Embiid and James Harden. And so it was like, you couldn't just cut him loose, let him be free. Doc Rivers, uh, you know, ha- has certainly talked about that. They had those conversations last year. So uh, you're right. I mean, he's such a breath of fresh air. He plays with, with such joy and like every quote from a teammate or a coach, or, like anyone in the building is just like, this is the greatest guy uh, of all time. He plays with the fearlessness. That, that's what I like. Like he could, He's one of those guys who can be be having a bad game for three quarters, and then there's six minutes left in the fourth, and he has this like three minute stretch that just wins the game. He plays at such a fast pace. Um, you know they have to urge him to be more selfish. Those are the players you, you want. You don't you know you don't want it to be uh, the other way around. So yeah, he's sort of become the face of this season uh, so far, and uh, he, he's probably the main reason they've been so fun to watch. Yeah, Joel Embiid, after he scored 50 points, said he was the face of the franchise, which I thought that kind of spoke volumes to how you know impactful Maxi is and how he really doesn't step on the toes of Joel Embiid at all. In fact, it seems like they have a great rapport and relationship with each other. And Nick Nurse is po- pushing the right buttons with you know Tyrese Maxi at this point. He talked about in a post game press conference that he wanted him to be more aggressive. He wanted him to take more shots. He wanted him to do more. And he said, "I'm I'm hammering the point home with him." Nick Nurse right now is plus 900 to win. Coach of the year, fourth best odds. How are we feeling about that? And how how do you think Philadelphia has kind of embraced Nick Nurse? For from the outside looking in, he seems kind of perfect, uh, you know. And obviously, there there's probably some Philly fans that wouldn't agree. They're, they're going to give it some time before they fully dive in. But it does feel like it's right, so to speak. Listen, all I'll say is I, I was joking with the ringers, Chris Ryan, and asking him, "Does Nick Nurse still have the hat?" You know, remember when he would wore, he had his own logo. The NN hat. Do you remember this? I was like, where? I was like, where can I get one? I was asking Chris Ryan, are those for sale? Because I, I might want to treat myself uh, after one of these wins. So, you know, it's hard for me to separate like the change in the roster and cutting James Harden loose versus like how much of an impact McNurse is having. You know what I'm saying? Like. Doc Rivers, I thought, did a good job last year. You know, like they won, what, 54 games last year. And so it's like, wait, how much of this is Nick Nurse? How much of this is just the change in the makeup of the roster? I will say this. They have a bunch of players now who you can tell feel empowered where they go out there and they're like, I could make a difference in whether we win or lose. And that sounds wild to say, like, isn't that every NBA team? It's not. Last, you know, last year, Tobias Harris, uh, DeAnthony Melton, these guys are kind of just standing in the corner. Like, it almost looked like they felt bad when they took a shot that didn't go to James Harden or Joel Embiid. And so that doesn't exist anymore. Like, they have, you know, these six-minute spurts in games where Embiid's on the bench, and it's like Maxi with four bench guys, and they're playing free, and guys are being aggressive. And so, uh, listen, there might be a, uh, come a time if they're losing to the Celtics Celtics in the playoffs and one of those guys is being too aggressive where I'm going, all right, this is terrible. I hate this. But for now, uh, in the regular season, I do like the energy that Nick Nurse has everyone playing with. I mean, there are games where it's obvious that they're playing with more effort, more energy than their opponent. And honestly, I just don't remember that being the case uh, in previous years. 
Let's talk about James Harden because James Harden, um, you know, is kind of his own. Like you said, he is the system himself. Uh, you know what I mean? He doesn't play within a system. So you get rid of his system. Um, and now everyone is speculating who is going to come join this team. Would it be a Zach Levine? Could it be an Alex Caruso? It seems like every player on the Bulls is in the conversation. If you just had to close your eyes right now and maybe not even specifically a, p- a player, but what do you think they need to get over the hump for this team? Like what is the one player that's missing that that would constitute a championship or roster. Yeah, I'm on board with not kind of chasing the third star. You know, someone like Levine, I don't like, does that mess up what you have? Do you need uh, somebody like that? I swear Alex Caruso is going to end up going for like seven first round picks with, with as much as talk as I hear about Alex Caruso, like every team wants Alex Caruso. I don't know what um, that's going to cost you, but that's more what I would be looking for. Like, can you add more depth? Can you add more role players? I definitely think they need somebody to organize the offense, create a little bit when Maxie's on the bench because Tate, for years, there would be all these graphics and beads on the bench and the team, you know, was minus 18 in like 10 minutes with Joel Embiid on the bench. And it's not like that this year. Like Embiid's on the bench and Maxi's out there. The numbers are really good. It's when Embiid's out there with a bunch of backups and Maxi's on the bench, the offense kind of looks lost. So um, those are the two areas. I think just kind of a backup point guard that can come in, organize everybody when Maxi's uh, not in there. And then just get me some role players, some, you know, some, some, uh, so, some wing players uh, who can play well and makes you deeper and makes you, uh, makes you better. Uh, to defend down the stretch. So that's kind of what I want. Like, I'm kind of like, don't just, you know, go chase a star and kind of ruin what they have right now. It does feel like Daryl Morey is operating under the idea that Tyrese Maxey is the second star on this team, as he should. You know what I mean? And I I think that's what most Sixers fans, if if you poll everybody, they're all like, we already got a second star. Let's just go get another piece to help this team. And even Tobias has stepped up, uh, kind of being the third star now. So in general, I think Philadelphia has figured out something. I wanted to ask you just uh, about Harden and Ben Simmons. Like, which of those two guys is more hated in Philly? Like, Like, there was a time where I was very worried about Ben Simmons' health when he went back to Philadelphia. It seems like it's kind of gone away um, as he dealt with injuries and things like that. But do you think that vitriol is now aimed towards James Harden when he comes back to Philadelphia? Or are Philly fans just happy to get rid of him at this point? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a good question. As you were saying it, I wasn't sure. What, like, for me, I don't have... Like, James Harden wasn't in my life enough for me to, like, have him be this monstrous villain. Like, I think he played 79 total regular season games with the Sixers. It was this short stretch where I didn't have high expectations. He did win them two playoff games against the Boston Celtics. Now he was like an F in all the losses, but I kind of under, I'm probably the exception here, Tate. If you talk to other Philly fans, they're probably like, what was, what is she all talking about? But I kind of understood the Harden thing. He obviously thought something was promised to him by a guy in Daryl Morey who he had a long history with. And he felt like that guy didn't come through with what he promised. And so he was upset about it and he was going scorched earth like he has before. And he left like, I'm not saying that's what I would do. You know, like if you were to wrong me, like that wouldn't be my approach, you know, in sort of the uh, ringer universe, but I can kind of understand that. So I would still say probably since Ben Simmons, it was a longer thing. It was, it felt worse. It felt like they had something there. Uh, He would probably be the guy who's the bigger villain right now. 
Yeah, and Philadelphia defended Ben Simmons unlike anything I've ever seen until they didn't. You know what I mean? And I think that gets lost in the conversation with Ben Simmons. So uh, I think that's a very fair point. And like you said, James Harden seemed to have a personal vendetta, not a professional vendetta against the Sixers. It was more about Maury. He specifically called out Maury. So I, I understand that. I feel like Philadelphia, they can understand kind of the layers of the conversation between the two and, and how it all ended up. Shil Kapadia, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Where can we find all your amazing work here at the ringer yeah you can check me out on the ringers philly special we talk all things uh philly sports and an extra point taken on the ringer nfl feed uh me and ben solak twice a week talking all things nfl so thanks for having me tate it was fun there you have it appreciate you shield